Okay, so chapter 30. How many people remember who is the person that has been writing most of Proverbs? Who is the person? Obviously, God is the one who's giving the things to be written, but who's the person that's writing them down for the most part in Proverbs? Ian. No, not Paul. Paul has not been born yet. When, Pro- when Proverbs is being written, Paul has not been born. Solomon, right. Remember King Solomon? Who is King Solomon's father? Do you remember that? David, right. King David. Solomon is King David's son. So Solomon is the one who's writing most of Proverbs. Um, from what we can understand about it. Seems like it was Solomon writing most of it. But here in chapter 30, we have a new person, or at least in the very first verse, this is what it says. It says, The words of Eger, son of Jaca, the oracle. All right, so this seems to be maybe a different person who a lot of people think he probably lived at the same time. Shh, I need you guys to be quiet. He probably lived at maybe the same time as Solomon. Uh, Maybe he knew the wisdom of Solomon, and that's why he is able to write this, because he's learning from what Solomon is teaching them. But that is the the person that is writing these things down for us. So it's, it's a little bit different. It sounds a little bit different. He writes a little bit differently, but he has a lot of the same kind of truth and wisdom that we've heard in the rest of the book of Proverbs, okay? So listen carefully, and let's see how he starts off. Uh, Remember we've said that the beginning of Proverbs kind of starts out with each chapter kind of has a theme to it, and it kind of goes through that, and then as you get further into Proverbs, it's almost like just little pieces of like two or three verses that kind of go together, and the so it's like you can read two or three verses and it gives you some good wisdom, and, but they're not really tied all together. Once we get to chapter 30 again, we're getting back to the whole chapter. It all connects together with one kind of main thought that he's trying to teach us, okay? So here's how he starts out. He says, The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Ooh, how does that sound? How does the person writing this, does he sound like he's in a good place, kind of mentally and emotionally, or is he in a bad place? Yeah, sounds like he's maybe in in a bad place, right? Maybe some difficult things have been happening. Maybe he's been working so hard and things are just not working out the way he thought. How many of you ever felt that way? Like you feel like I'm just, I'm just doing all this stuff and nothing good is coming out of it. I'm just tired and I'm exhausted. Well, that's how this guy feels as he writes this down. And he goes even further than that. He's not just worn out, but listen to what he says in, in verse number two. He says, surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. So it gets even worse than just being tired and worn out. He's saying, 
I can't even I can't even begin to solve the problems that I have in my life. There's they're too big for me. I don't have the right answers. So that have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt worn out and you feel like you don't even know what the right answers are to fix the things you're dealing with? We all reach that place at some time or another in our life. So it's good to see what he's about to say next because he doesn't just stop there, thankfully. All right? Then he asks some questions. And these are important questions for us to think about. He says, Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. All right, so he's asking some big questions there. He's saying, who is in charge of everything? Right? He's saying, who's in charge of the heavens? Who has been there? Who's in charge of making it rain? Who's in charge of laying out the land and taking care of the earth? Is it, is it us as people? Are we in charge of all those things? No, we can do some, a few little things, but we don't know how it all works and we're not in charge of how it all works. So who is that person that's in charge of all those things? All right, God is the one, right? God is the one who's in charge. So he's asking some good questions here. He wants to know who can help me. I'm tired. I don't have the right answers. Who can help me out? Well, maybe the person that's in charge of all these other things can give me some answers, right? So now we get to verse number five. And here he gives us some good, some good answers to those questions. He says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So he says the answers to those questions, the answers to when we feel worn out, when we feel like we don't have the right answers, we don't know what to do, God is going to be the one who has those answers for us. We need to look to him to understand those things. So in verse 7 now, he's going to ask for a couple of things. So now he knows who to ask. He knows who to ask. He knows to ask God. And here's what he's going to say. And these are things that all of us should be asking God. They're not just for this person, but this is for all of us. He says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. All right, so there's two things that he asks. The first one is, don't let me be a liar. Keep me honest. Make sure that I tell the truth and that people can count on what I say. Is that an important thing for us when we're dealing with other people? Once you get a reputation as a liar, it's, it's pretty hard to change that, isn't it? It's hard for people to start to trust you. Once people think, man, 
they lied to me several times before. How do I know they're telling me the truth now? That's a hard thing to change. Okay? So he says, please keep me from becoming that type of person. The second thing he asked for is kind of strange. And you might think, well, why would you ask that somebody not make you rich? <laughs> we think, well, if we were rich, that would solve a lot of our problems, right? Shh, girls. I need you to be quiet, okay? All right. Why would we ask for someone to not, for God not to make us rich? Well, listen to what he says. He says, don't make me, he says, don't make me poor and don't make me rich. Well, why, why is that? He says, if I have too much, if I'm rich, then I might say, hey, I got things, I got things under control. I don't think I really need God to help me now. I've got everything I need. Why would I need God to help me? So he says, don't make me rich, because otherwise I might decide that I don't really need God. But then he says, he says don't, don't let me be too poor either, because if you're too poor, what, what are you tempted to do sometimes? Someone who's, who doesn't have a lot of things, what, are, what might they be tempted to do? All right, that's what he says. He says, don't let me become too poor, and then I might, I might make that bad choice and I might steal to get what I think I need or what I think somebody else has that I want. Okay? So those are two things that are really wise things for us to remember, isn't it? Ask God, say, don't make me, don't make me so rich that I think I don't need you, but don't let me be so poor that I think that you're not, you don't care about me and that I have to start stealing. Okay? That's what he's asking for. All right, he says, give me, just give me what I need. He says, give me the food that I need every day. And that, that will just make me know that you're taking care of me. All right? Well, let's keep going on. So that's, that's kind of the start of this. And those are the main ideas that he wants to share here. Then he goes through a list of things that we need to be very careful that these things don't start taking place in our life, okay? Here's what he says. He says, Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be held guilty. So he says, Don't talk bad about some, somebody else, some other worker to their boss to try and get him in trouble because you might be the one that actually ends up getting in trouble because that's what? We've talked about this. That's, that's gossip, isn't it? We've talked in other Proverbs about watching our tongue, watch what we say about other people, be careful about the way we talk about others. So he's sharing that same thing here. He says, you might get caught up in it. In 11, he says, there are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those... How lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords and whose fangs are knives to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. So he's saying, these are the kinds of people that you may run into as you live your life. You need to be aware of them. And it's kind of a double warning. It's like, look out for people who may be like this. But he's also saying, be careful that you're not becoming a person that's like that. 
Be careful that you're not a person who disrespects your parents or who thinks that you're better than you really are, who has, who has a lot of pride and is arrogant. Or, this is a big one, but he talks about someone who thinks that they're clean, but really they're, they're dirty. And we can, we can think about that. We can think, well, I'm not really that bad. Maybe I don't actually need to be forgiven of my sins. Maybe God thinks I'm good enough that I can go to heaven on my own. What the writer is saying here is, we need to be careful that we don't think that we're good enough for God when we really aren't, or when our heart is, is not clean, when we haven't been forgiven, when we haven't trusted Jesus. It's a very dangerous thing to think, well, God's probably going to think I'm good enough, so I don't need to worry about it. And then he talks about people who are, who are really vicious with their mouths, now, we think about people being violent, maybe with their fists, or it talks about swords and knives and all those kind of things, but people are even more hurtful and even more dangerous in everyday life with their mouths and the things that they say about other people and the things that they say to other people to cut them down, right? When it's talking about people who have teeth like swords, it's talking about people who use their mouth to chop other people down, to hurt them, to stab them, to keep them away from them, right? We don't want to be those kind of people, and we need to be careful that we don't fall into a group of friends that are like that because it's very easy to get caught up with, with people who are putting other people down and talking bad about them, all right? So he gives us several warnings there. We'll kind of skip ahead. There's, there's a lot of things in here that it takes a long time to kind of go through and understand exactly what he's saying. He uses a lot of poetry to, to get his points across. But we're going to move ahead and we're going to kind of go to the very end of the chapter. And here he says this. He says, If... If you have been foolish, and that's all of us, isn't it? We've all been foolish at one time or another. We've all made, made a mistake. We've sinned. We've done some of those things that he said that we should be avoiding. He says, if you have been foolish, exalting yourself, that means thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, you know, being proud. Or if you have been devising evil, Oh, hopefully we're not doing that. Hopefully, not, hopefully we're not spending our time thinking of really bad things that we can get into. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we get caught up in that. He says, if you've been doing those two things, the first thing you need to do is put your hand on your mouth. He says, if those are the things that are coming out of your mouth, the first thing you need to do is stop. Stop saying those things. Stop boasting and being proud. Stop putting down other people and saying cruel and mean things to them. That's the first thing you need to do. Why is that? Well, he gives us a warning here at the end. He says, For pressing milk produces curds, and pressing the nose produces blood. Have you ever had a bloody nose? Because... 
because you got whacked in the face, maybe intentional or unintentional, yeah? All right? And he says this, he says, he finishes off the chapter with a, another warning. It says, and pressing anger produces strife. So what does that mean? We've talked about that several other times where I think uh, Mr. Greg and Mr. Isaac have both had passages that talk about this where if you keep putting gas on the fire, what is going to happen to you? There's, there's going to be something you can't handle anymore, right? That, that thing's going to burn out of control, and typically you're going to get hurt too. So if you just keep, if you keep making people angry, if you keep getting angry, if you respond with anger, then that's going to cause that strife, those problems, that fighting, and your life is going to be in upheaval. It's going to be in chaos. And so it's not a very positive ending to the chapter, but it's a good warning for us because he's given us the things we need to be doing at the beginning. We need to know who we are. We need to know who the person is that can help us, God. We need to avoid this list of things that he puts in here. And at the end, he gives us another warning and says, if you're struggling with these things, the first thing you need to do is close your mouth. You know, walk away. Because if you respond in anger in those situations, it's going to lead to more trouble for us. Okay? So, that is chapter 30, the words of Agar. How would you like to have that name? <laughs> it's kind of a weird name. But... He has a lot of wise things for us to learn from. And the most important thing is that we need to be looking to God for the answers in our life. We need to make sure that God is the one who is helping us. That we're not just trying to figure out everything on our own with our own smarts. Like he says at the beginning, I don't have all the answers. We need to look to God for that help, okay? All right, well, let's go ahead and pray. And we'll be finished with chapter 30. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the, this lesson tonight and the, the good reminder of where the answers that we should be looking for come from. They come from you. They come from following the, what Jesus uh, taught and how he lived and showing us the way that we are to live. But most of all, they come from understanding that we are sinful and that we need you to save us uh, from our sins. We need to ask for forgiveness for the things that we do that are wrong. And we need your help to stop doing those things. We, we need to have wisdom to close our mouth when uh, the things that we're saying are, are, are hurtful and harmful. I just pray that you would help us to think about this, that, this week and uh, as we live our lives, that we would continue to remember these things. In Jesus' name, amen.